Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. The title of my message today is Zeal for the House. So I'm going to look at Psalm 69. I'm going to look at two verses from that psalm and it says this. I am a foreigner to my own family a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Our scripture reading today is classified as a psalm of David, although it is not actually definite that he actually wrote it. Some scholars think that maybe Jeremiah had some part in it. But the psalm does relate to a point in David's life when he was in dire straits, in real trouble from numerous enemies. And what this scripture also tells us was that David was consumed with zeal for the house of God. In fact, David's passion was his fidelity to the Lord. Now, some 750 years later, Jesus' disciples were reminded of this psalm, of this scripture, when they watched him, Jesus that is, driving out the money changers from the temple in the early part of his ministry. John 2 verse 17 says, Then the disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, if you get your big chambers dictionary and look up the word zeal, you'll find that the following meaning, enthusiastic devotion to a cause, an ideal or goal, and tireless diligence in its furtherance. Now, interchangeable with the word zeal is the word passion, which means ardent love strong desire, abandoned emotion. Now, you probably don't know this man, but in parts of India, he's really famous. His name is Amar Bharati. One day in 1973, Mr. Bharati decided to raise his right arm 90 degrees in the air, and he claims that he has never lowered it since that time. Isn't that weird? For nearly 48 years, Mr. Barati's right arm has remained extended upwards. Recent pictures of the Indian man reveal fingers that have withered into the palm of his hand. His knuckles are white and useless. His arm muscles are non-existent. And my arm's getting tired holding it up. And his fingernails have grown long and twisted. When he was asked why he had constantly kept his arm raised, he explained it's a gesture of devotion to the Hindu god Shiva. What caused this man to sacrifice his job, his home, his life, in fact his very existence, to pursue what we would consider such a bizarre pursuit, such a weird idea, 
Was it money, fame, material possessions, or a gun to his head? No, it was none of these things. What motivated him was pure passion and zeal for his cause. The kind of passion that separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls, the prayers from the players, the intercessors from the interferers, the contenders from the pretenders, the complimenters from the complainers, the encouragers from the discouragers and the supporters from the reporters. You know those people that tell us everything what's wrong about life. I don't know about you, but I've heard it said that there are two kinds of people in the world today, the bored and the boring, present company excluded, by the way. I don't think that is quite accurate, though, because there's a third category, the passionate. And they are a little bit more difficult to find in this world today. Because, friends, passion is so important. Husbands, imagine how you would have felt back in your youth, your courting days, and you just pop the question to the love of your life and asked her to marry you, and she had just shrugged her shoulders and said, well, I suppose so, if I must. Think about the great leaders of the world. The characteristics that stand out is their passion for what they did. Gandhi for human rights. Mother Teresa for the suffering. Winston Churchill for for freedom, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs for technology, to name just a few. I was reading about this guy called John Shatner, and he founded this company in America in 1984, and he called it Papa John's Pizza. Famous company. He's opened, he opened 1,600 stores in just a few years. In one year alone, he opened a store every single week. And Life magazine did an article on him. And they said this, pizza is Shatner's life and his passion. And he takes it very seriously. Think about any person in any field, business, <coughs> sport, music, research, writings, anyone who had accomplished great feats. They are all driven to success by an overwhelming passion in their lives. And if there are people who have such a great passion for things that are not going to last beyond this life, that are very temporal, how about how much more, friends, how much more should we as Christians have a passion for what we do? To serve God when what we are doing will last for eternity. Our lives should be defined by a passion for our Lord. Sadly, I find that is not the case with many of those who call themselves churchgoers. Passion is what the church is missing today. It's the very thing that we must acquire, that we must get in our churches. So this morning, let us seek, let us Pray for that Pentecostal fire 
to come down and ignite us and let it burst forth from us. And I was thinking about that then. I, I was reminded of that hymn written by Harry T after the Scot- Pentecostal revival in Scotland in the Scottish town of Kilsyth in 1908. He wrote this song. I was going to sing it, but I don't want to murder it. So this is what it is. I'm going to just read it. It says, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire from heaven fall. We are waiting and expecting. Now in faith, dear Lord, we call. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall on the promise that we depend. From the glory of thy presence, let the Pentecostal fire descend. Friends, passion. Passion is what separated Demas and Timothy. Demas left Paul when the lure of the world, the temptations of this world, took a hold of him and became too strong. But of Timothy, Paul says, I call to remembrance your unfainted faith. Passion is what separated Cain and Abel. Cain tried to get by with a half-hearted sacrifice that had basically cost him nothing. But Abel was willing to shed blood in his worship. And I'll tell you something this morning, friends. When we have a passion for Jesus, we should be willing to lay on the altar anything, friends, anything that would distract us or take our eyes off Jesus. Passion is what separated the rich young ruler from the disciples. When he left Jesus, he was very sorrowful. But Jesus turns to his disciples and says, will you go also? To which they replied, Lord, where would we go? In, in other words, we are sold out for you, Lord. Passion is what separated Judas and Peter. Whereas Judas never found a place of repentance, Peter repented and then preached the message of salvation. The success stories of these people are separated from their failures, not by perfection, not by pedigree, not by talent, not by wealth or status, but by passion. Passion that kept them at the feet of Jesus when they had a million other places to go. So why do Christians lack zeal? Why do we not have the passion that we ought to have? The thing is, today we live in a culture that feels a great passion about tiny things, about insignificant things. Today, people hunger for the junk food of the body, the mind and the soul in this 21st century. Us British, well, we understand how passionate we can be about, say, sport. Athletes will give up years of their lives, subsist at poverty levels, rise early to train in rain and snow, restrict their diets, push their bodies to painful limits, consult sports psychologists, endure injuries and fatigue, and sacrifice relationships, careers, and any other vestige of a normal life, all to satisfy the cravings for Olympic gold or world records, or playing for Manchester City. The rest of us, well, we'll run cable TV into our homes, buy a big screen TV, install surround sound, 
sign up for pay-for-view and spend countless hours in front of the box watching our sporting heroes. So great is our appetite to watch these athletes perform, others of us will drive for many miles to multi-million pound stadiums, pay through the nose for car parking and tickets, and to add its insult to injury, pay 650 for a hot dog worth about 50p. I know, because I am one of them people. All just for the pleasure of seeing some overdeveloped, affected millionaire hit a ball or make a tackle. Such a vast appetite for such a trivial thing. Us British, well, we understand what it means to be hungry for our vanity. We spend millions annually on creams, ointments, lotions and smellies. And that's just the men. To make ourselves feel better and more attractive, we will endure the pain of exercise, the pain of diet. And yes, I'm going on a diet. And in extreme circumstances, even plastic surgery to make ourselves look good and feel better. Such a vast appetite for such a trivial thing. Us British were even passionate about our hobbies. The old British hobby, everything under the sun from stamp collecting to extreme snowboarding. And we spend vast quantities of time and money and attention and energy on the most obscure of pursuits. Such a vast appetite for such a trivial thing. Yes, friends, we know what it means to be passionate. It's just that our passions revolve around tiny and unworthy things. We give the best of ourselves to matters that ultimately don't matter, that ultimately don't mean a jot. Jesus, he promises us that if we make him and his cause the passion of our lives, we will find satisfaction for our souls. That's because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And you know what? You will find God himself. The psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. This morning, it should be clear to any one of us, any one of us who is attempting to be a Christ follower, that God has called every one of us to be engaged in his service to others. This morning, friends, God is looking for a people of zeal, a people of passion. Is that you? Christ followers are supposed to be passionate people. Christ followers are supposed to be a people who will burn with passion to serve God and to serve others. But too often, you know, too often we take the life-changing grace that has come to us so lightly. Too often we allow ourselves to rest, to dwell, to park up in the comfort of the grace of God that provided us salvation and we never allow it to touch others around us. This morning, friends, I want to say to you that serving God is much more than an emotional experience. Serving God is much more than great worship and great music. 
Serving God is much more than reading our Bibles and praying every day. Serving God is much more than keeping ourselves untouched from the cultures around us because serving God is always about others. And God is calling this church, our church, PCF Church, to another level of walking with him. You know why? Because God has raised the bar here at PCF. God is calling you and he's calling me to another level in our spiritual journey, on that journey going north, because God has raised the bar here at PCF. Maybe you are resting. Well, now is the time to wake up. Maybe you have taken a break for a while. Well, maybe now is the time to pick up those reins. Maybe you have put on, put your, your time in and you just don't feel like it anymore. Well, friends, as someone said to me only the other week, there is no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. God doesn't have reserves. God doesn't have weekend warriors. God is looking for people who will serve him by serving others. He calls us to serve him without recognition. He calls us to serve him because it is right to serve him. He calls us to be dedicated in the ministry that we are engaged in. But it means that we must put time and we must put effort into whatever it is. Whatever it is that God has called us to do. I can't tell you how much of a difference it will make in this church if the people in this church will get passionate, passionate about what we are doing and have a real positive attitude about what it is that we can do with God's help. And I must admit, I, think, I sit down and I think, I dream about being considered a passionate person for God. You know what? I dream of being part of a church full of zealous passionate people, Christ followers. And I'm sure that deep inside us, deep though it may be, there is an urge within every single one of us to be set ablaze, set ablaze for God. I love the story of W.E. Sankster, the, the prominent evangelical Methodist minister from the early part of the 20th century. He was interviewing candidates for the ministry. One specific person admitted that he was rather shy and that he probably wouldn't set the Thames on fire. Sangster's response was this. I'm not interested to know if you can set the Thames on fire. What I want to know is this. If I picked you up by the scruff of the neck and dropped you in the Thames, would it sizzle? Friends, Today, if someone threw a bucket of water on us, would we sizzle with passion for God? Did you know that Jesus' sufferings between the Last Supper and his death are called his passion? Hence the name of that film. He came to save those who were lost. And you know what, friends? He had a passion for what he was doing to the extent that he was willing to give up his life for every single one of us. And this morning, I've got to say, I find that awesome. 
This morning, Jesus Christ longs for a people who are passionately in love with him. He longs for a people who will live and die for him. A people who would storm the gates of hell for him. A people whose greatest desire is to see the kingdom of heaven breaking out everywhere here on earth. Do you know, friends, there is no limit to what a group of people can do. People who will put God first, first in their lives and consider themselves on a joint mission with Jesus. If all of us are, uh, who are a part of this church are passionate, friends, yes, passionate about what it is that we, uh, we are to be doing as a church, we will be absolutely amazed at what God can do through us. Christians in the New Testament were passionate about what they believed about God. They were passionate about their service to him in the face of some terrible trials. But the Bible says in Acts, the book of Acts, that they turned the world upside down. Friends, friends, if the people of this church would become excited about what we say we believe, if the people of this church would get enthusiastic about what God has done in our lives, if the people of this church would get passionate about our King, then friends, we would be able to turn pointed and all the surrounding areas upside down for God. It could happen, friends, but it's going to take a little bit of passion from us. In finishing, John Wesley, the 18th century English theologian and evangelist, was once asked the secret about his ministry. And he said this, every morning I get up and I ask God in my prayers to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. This morning, friends, my prayer for you, my prayer for this church, my prayer for our lives and family is to ask for God's holy fire to ignite our lives with zeal, to ignite our lives with fervor, to ignite our lives with passion. Why? Because, friends, we have a passionate God who loves us. God bless you all this morning.